back to the Struggles of a Christian podcast. Um, we're going to do uh, the second part of Gideon today. Uh, we started Gideon uh, a little bit a little bit ago. Um, it's always been fascinating. One of my favorite accounts in the Bible because God shows up, God works miracles, Gideon believes God and gets to work. But the obstacle Gideon goes through is more than just a fleece being laid out at night. Uh, the prayers, the, the requests, the miracles in Gideon are just amazing. Just like in Jonah, you know, we talk about the fish, but there, there's like four miracles in Jonah. Here in Gideon, there's four or five signs that Gideon asks for and gets from God. The first, the last time we talked about it was fire from, from the rock. Fire from the rock. I mean, that's amazing. So we're going to go uh, to Gideon 631. We're going to back up just a little bit and start with uh, Joash, his father, when the men of the city come to him and speak with him to talk to him about Gideon tearing down the altar of Baal and the grove of trees. So we're going to go back to that point. We're going to start from there. So uh, Judges 631. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he called him Jerobubble. Jerobubble. I was uh, stutter over that part. <laughs> let Baal plead against him, because he has thrown down his altar. So his dad stands for him and says, hey, you know, the altar of Baal cast down. You guys want Joe, you guys want Gideon so you can kill him? Well, then let Baal, let Baal take care of Gideon. If Baal is a god, let Baal do his dirty work. Joash, even though he lost money, he lost the, the, the grove, he lost the altar, he lost income, he lost prestige. Even though he lost it, all that, he protected his son. So... Joash might be very upset with Gideon, but he protected his son. Although I'm thinking, if he be a god, kind of sort of means Joash didn't actually believe it either. But, eh. All right, so from this day on, his father calls him Jerubbabel. Remember, he told the mob, let Baal avenge himself on Gideon, as Baal is a god. As a god, he should need no one to fend for him. He should. I mean, you know, God Jehovah needs no one to defend him. He's God. He takes care of himself. So Joash now renames his son Jerobobal to remind him of the time his idol was torn down, his grove chopped down. So Gideon has stood up for God in Israel against his city, against his dad. He has stood and uh, he, he is ready to go to work. All right. So the Midianites, this is what who, who was oppressing the, the, the people of Israel at this point in time. Uh, the Midianites are now gathered with the Amalekites. If you remember the, 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 the account of Saul that we're doing as well, <laughs> you know the Amalekites were not good people. The Amalekites and are in the Valley of Jezreel, a good place, fruitful and pleasant for them to gather. So they found a good place in the land of Israel to gather together, to get together and talk. And they're spreading the spoil of the Israelites amongst themselves. So it's a nice little holiday, but Gideon isn't done yet. The Midianites and the Amalekites are getting together and going, oh, we got it wonderful. Gideon's just getting started. The real business of what God has asked him to do, he is getting to right now. So Judges 6, 34. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him. 
and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who was all who also was gathered after him, and he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulun and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered together after him. Who was Abiezer? His father's family. So Gideon stood up for God, and by him standing up, it created an example and gave some people a backbone. So he sends messengers to four tribes calling to them and with the message of God, and they come, 30,000 of them come to Gideon. 30,000, all right? So this isn't a small uh, measure of people who are tired of this. This is 30,000 people. Now, this is the great thing about the, the word of God. When the, the, the gospel calls, they will hear and they will respond, whether positive or negative, the gospel calls, they cannot ignore it. They will hear, they will respond. These 30,000 responded. They answered the call, the gospel, the good news, the good news that they are about to rise up from underneath the Midianites and the Amalekites, and they're about to get rid of this oppression. We today have the good news, the gospel. We need to get out and preach it and let the people hear it and respond. That's our job. Our job is to stand against the evil, the wickedness that's oppressing our people and preach the gospel. We need to do a little bit more of that. We have a message. We need to get out and proclaim it. So Gideon, in Judges 6.36, Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. This is what Gideon is known for. He asked God to keep the, the, the fleece wet and the ground everywhere around it dry. So the next morning he gets up, he folds it together, and he wrings it out, and a whole bowl full of water comes out while the ground around it is dry. That's a good sign, right? So now Gideon has had two signs, the fire from the rock that consumed the meat and the flesh and the broth, and now this, with the fleece that is soaking wet while the ground around it is dry. So Gideon, if, if he's got his praise journal, like I advocate a lot, if he has his praise journal, he has now has these two things wrote down, Gideon's good to go, right? He knows God's there because he put out this and he put out that. He's got his signs. Well, you know, Gideon's a lot like us. Did it really happen? Did I imagine it? Uh, coincidence. Um, somebody could have spilled water there while I was sleeping. Yeah, I mean, the mind rationalizes. This is why I advocate for a prayer journal, writing down exactly what happens, when it happens, what you were praying for, how that prayer was answered, so that in a week, two weeks, two years, you come back to it, your mind remembers what happened instead of not writing it down and your mind telling you what happened. It's, it's an amazing thing. So write it out. Details, full details. So Gideon said unto God in 639, let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. <laughs> he said that, but he's now speaking again, so it's not but once. Um, let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. Um, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. So God got the second request. He let it happen. He was patient with Gideon, uh, more patient than most realized, for he have, he has now given Gideon 
three signs. Three. The fire from the rock, the dew wet, the ground dry. Now the 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 dew wet. Fire from the rock, the fleece soaking wet, the ground dry, and now the fleece dry and the ground wet, which is not something you can duplicate readily. So God is being extremely patient, and further along, God gives Gideon a fourth sign, one that Gideon did not even ask for. God knows Gideon's going to need a little bit of fortitude, and we're coming up on why he's going to need some fortitude, and then you'll understand a little bit more, all right? What God is asking of Gideon as we get to it, not something most sane people would look at and go, okay, yeah, sure, let's do this. <laughs> so Gideon needs a lot of fortitude. All right, so Judges 7, 2. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee, the 30,000, are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand hath saved me. Now, therefore, go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people 20 and 2,000 there remained. 10,000. So God gives Gideon his signs and says, okay, yep, you're going to need a little bit, little bit more uh, fortitude because, you know, what I'm going to ask you to do, that's eh, a little rough. But the 30,000 that you have, Gideon, this 30,000 is too many. At the beginning of the book of Gideon, or uh, excuse me, the, the, uh, the, the account of Gideon, the Midianites are numbered as grasshoppers throughout the land of Israel. Grasshoppers. And he's going with 30,000, and God's saying, too many. I mean, <laughs> there's so many Mennonites, they can't sustain food. The crops can't feed everybody. Yet God says 10,000, or I'm sorry, 30,000 are too many. So they say, anybody who's scared, go home. And they returned they returned of the people 22,000. All right. So why is God saying there's too many? Because God doesn't want Israel going, oh, we're 30,000 strong men of Israel. We stood. No. God wants people to say, we stood and God delivered. God got the victory. God gets the credit. God gets the glory. God made it happen because he knows the children of Israel and the mind of man will go, oh, this was me. God wasn't there. It was all me. This, again, that prayer journal, praise journal, prayer journal, praise journal, so very important so you can see God working. Your mind cannot convince you of other things. It will. All right. So he has 10,000. And he says, hey, you know, um, the 10,000 you have, they're too many. So he starts with 30,000. And God says, too many. So he says, okay, anybody who's scared, go home. No harm, no foul, just go home. All right. So they're departing. They're going home. God says, too many. But God, I'm only down, I'm down to 10,000 from 30,000. God says, too many. So they go to a brook, and they're told that uh, any that lapped as a dog, that means bent down and lapped with their tongue, is to go home. But any that cupped with their hand is to stay. Why one group and not the other? The ones who lapped, got down on their hands and knees and lapped with their tongue, they were not looking for a fight. They were resigned to whatever fate had for them. 
They surrendered themselves completely to failure. They took their eyes off the prize. They took their eyes off the gold. There was no readiness. There was no paying attention to what was going on. They were convinced they were going to lose. The ones who are bending down and cupping the water in their hand and bringing it up to their mouth, they're keeping their eyes on the situation. They're looking ahead. They're ready to fight. They're ready to go to battle. They're ready to win. That's the difference. So 300 of the 30,000, okay, 30,000, 300 are now left. This is what God wants Gideon to go to war with against a number that measures like the grasshoppers, okay? <laughs> so Gideon has himself, and he has the 300 who cupped the water, who's ready to go to battle. God didn't want anyone that wasn't sure he was going to give them the victory. That's the important part. They were watching. They were ready. They were cupping their hand, the water, bringing the water up while they weren't taking their eyes off the situation. But they're going to war in the name of God. They're ready to fight. They're certain that God's given them. Their faith is what God's looking for. Their faith allows 300 men to beat an army. It's amazing. So what faith can do, what faith can win is evident right here. The battle's fought and won because of faith in God. All right. So um, 300 to go up against the host of Midian. And I can tell you right now that Gideon's not inspired. I mean, he's got faith in God. I get it. He's seen the signs. I get it. But he's still got 300 men going against an army. And uh, it, it's it, it's just, it's not something you feel real secure about doing. So no matter how confident you are that God spoke to you, told you to do this, the others, the others who have never heard God are definitely questioning you and doubting you, for instance. 10,000 men go to a brook, they cup, they go to this hand, they lap, they go to this hand, uh, this this grouping. And so we're looking around and you got 300 and then you got 9,700 in the other group. The 9,700 are sent home. The 300 are here and they're going, wait, what, what? 300 of us are going to battle? Okay. So Gideon is trying to convince them of what he's heard, what God has told them. They have to believe Gideon. Gideon's had the signs. Gideon's had the word of God. Gideon had the Christophany, Christ, show up to him. These men only have Gideon's word. They have a lot more faith than I will have. Anyway, all right. So we're getting to the next part. And the next part is very, very fascinating. I mean, this I, I, I absolutely uh, like this next part a lot. So God knew the fear. God understood the fear. But God was also in charge. God is going to give Gideon another encouragement that he didn't ask for because he's got 300 men and he's going to battle with an army. God's going, all right, I'm going to pick you up one more time and get you ready to go. All right. Because here's the important thing. Gideon's living in this little bubble there where he's getting these men ready, getting all this going, and he doesn't know what's going on outside. The enemy is aware that Gideon is calling men together. The enemy is aware that Gideon tore down the, the altar and 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 the uh, the grove of trees. The enemy is aware of what's going on, and they're getting a little because they have no confidence either. Okay, they don't know what's going on. They only getting tidbits of what they're hearing. This mighty man of valor, Gideon, is doing, even though he hasn't really done anything yet. 
And you know how tall tales and news grows over time. And back then it was person to person. So the host of Midian has heard of Gideon. They've heard of the altar. They heard that he stood against Baal and his worshipers. And it doesn't take long for tall tales to spread back then. So Judges 7.10, God's talking to Gideon, and he's about to give him his last little bit of encouragement, okay? He says in Judges 7.10, Gideon, but if thou fear to go down, go with Furah, thy servant, down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then went he down with Furah, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. So he's going out and he's doing a little reconnaissance, him and his servant. Okay, God's telling him where to go, what to do. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. That's, that's, that's a whole lot of people right there. And Gideon's got 300. All right. So Gideon was come. Behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow. So Gideon's doing some reconnaissance. He's going along and he comes up upon uh, some of the enemy and they're talking. This guy's talking about a dream to another soldier in the opposing army. And he says, behold, I dreamed a dream and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it. That tent lay along and his fellow answered and said, this is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the hosts. Are you seeing what's going on here? <clears throat> Gideon's living in his own head. He doesn't know what's going on. But the enemy, they've heard of Gideon. They've heard of the army he's amassing. They've heard of how he stood against the family in the city, how he tore down the altar of Baal. They've heard that he's a mighty man of God, that God's using him. This is what they've heard. They're living in their own heads now. All right, so this all started in uh, verse 6 of chapter 6. Gideon is called to save Israel. God has heard the cries of the, from the people. He has found his champion, and he, God, is going to deliver the people from the Midianites, but he's going to do it in such a way that he, God, will get all the glory, all the credit, all the majesty, all the power, all the awe, all the reverence. He's going to do it, so it's only through him that it's done. Now, he's aware that Gideon might be down and a little distraught with just 300 men. He is God, after all, and he knows the hearts and minds of the men going to battle. So what does he do? He arranges for Gideon to see that the host of Midian and Amalekites gathered together, who are numbered as grasshoppers, are just as scared of him as he is of them. You never think about that, do you? Maybe they're as scared of us as we are of them. Now, I know people say that about snakes, and I still don't go near a snake. I get it. But Gideon had a secret weapon, and that weapon is God. Remember when God said, surely I will be with thee, that is thy strength? <laughs> Gideon has been told that God will be with him. He's had three signs, and God knows he needs more. So God didn't just come through for Gideon, but he made sure to keep Gideon's spirits up. He showed him what's going on. He lifted his morale by showing that those men were scared and uncertain as he was. The important thing here is God didn't belittle him, nor did he dismiss Gideon's fears. 
He didn't. He answered them as he went. He did not walk away from Gideon. He didn't demote him. He made his choice and he supported his man. As long as his man was doing his work and his will, he supported Gideon. He gave Gideon what he needed. 300 people. He gave Gideon the plan. He gave Gideon the moral support. He gave Gideon the morale boost of hearing the other armies scared of him. Once God calls someone and tells them the victory is theirs, there is no other choice but forward. Because if you don't go forward, you're not going to get the victory. There is no other thing to do but that which God tells you. If you were to do anything else, there might be disastrous consequences. Remember Jonah. He didn't want to do what God told him to do. He did it anyway, but with a whole lot of trouble in between. God comes to you and says, this is what we're doing. You get, you go. Because if you don't, there's trouble coming. God's not going to let you stay out of his will. Just remember that. When you are in his will, God lifted him up. God spoke to him. God gave him a morale boost. God understood. God delivered. All right. Once God calls you to do something, if you are truly called of God, you lose interest in everything else. If God says, this is what you're doing, your heart and mind will be so wrapped up in that you can't do anything else. He makes it your primary focus, whether you want it to be or not. If you are not primarily focused on what you think God has called you to, if you can think of something else, then rethink your call. Because when God calls you, that's all your mind will be on. All right, so Judges 7, 19. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him, because they broke him into three groups of a hundred, came, I'm sorry, paper one second, came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle of the watch. And they had but newly set the watch. So it's the middle of the night watch, not the middle of this night. So they're, they're, they're there in the middle of the night. Um, they had just switched out um, the watch. The, the, the tired ones went to bed and they brought some new ones on to keep watch. And they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now, why did they say the sword of the Lord and Gideon? Because in that verse... When uh, the, the, the two soldiers are talking, he says, this is nothing else save the sword of Gideon. So they know there's an army amassing 30,000. They're coming after him, and they know it's Gideon. So the, the soldiers, the 300, they shout out um, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, a name that they knew, a name they feared, a name they weren't sure what was happening. And they stood, the, 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 the army that they're surrounded by the 300 men, they stood every man in his place round about the camp and all the host ran and cried and fled. So they all stood up and they got to running and the 300 blew the trumpets and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout the host and the host fed, fled to Bethsheda and Zerath and the border of Abel, if I'm screwing, if I'm messing the names up, I'm sorry, Abemahela <laughs> to Tabith. They're not easy to read. So what happens is they took the, 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 the pitchers and covered the lights in the pitchers. They took trumpets, 300 men, 
and they're surrounding this camp, this encampment. They're in a valley. The men are up a little higher. They're surrounding it. They break the pitchers. All the lights shine at one time. All the trumpets blow at one time, and it startles them. It's the middle of the night. They just changed the watch. Everything is peaceful and quiet. Boom. All of a sudden, it's no longer peaceful and quiet. They got an army upon them. Now, we know it's only 300 men. They didn't know that. So they all stand up, and they get to run, and they start tearing each other apart with their swords. They are killing themselves from within based on the fear in the dark of what they heard and the light that all of a sudden appeared out of nowhere. All right, so what's the battle plan? 300 men. We're going to split into three groups of 100. We're going to attack in the middle of the night, and we're going to have light show up from nowhere, and we're going to blow trumpets and shout like we're thousands. You ever woke up in the middle of the night to a loud noise? You see in a tree branch outside your window, and it's a ghost, it's a shadow of some sort? That's what they're waking up to. It causes confusion in the enemy. Remember when uh, I did uh, Master of the Storm, and in and, and, and it, 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 Christ is walking along, and they see him, and they start crying out, it's a demon. Christ got into the boat. It's the mind. The biggest weapon that we have is the mind. The biggest problem we have is the mind. These men come awake, they stand up, they're, they don't know what's going on, they're dazed, they're confused, and their mind starts working against them. The host of the Midian and the Amalekites are in disarray, they're fleeing the battle, and the, Midian, the, the, the men of Gideon have not even started fighting yet. Not even started fighting yet. It's amazing. God was with Gideon just like he said he would be. So what happens next? All the men that had left the army, because remember, this morning, this the morning of this day, there was a fleece put out. And then he went from 30,000 to, to 10,000 to 300. All of those men going the other direction, they heard the commotion. They came running back after Gideon, and now, are, now they are joining in pursuit of a fleeing enemy. So they had the 300 that set them running, and God brings the rest of them back who heard the, uh, heard the, uh, the trumpets. They may have been afraid, but when they heard the call of the trumpets, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon, they got their butts back to where they were. They were stood up. They, 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 they were told to go away because they were afraid, but they came running back when it was needed. So Gideon has the Midianites and the Amalekites on the run. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all of Mount Ephraim saying, Come down against the Midianites and take before them the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and they took the waters. They secured the water passages unto Bethbara and Jordan. And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock Oreb. And Zeb, they slew at the winepress of Zeb and pursued Midian, and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. So Gideon, he's, he's fleeing after the enemy, and he sends messengers saying, get out, protect the waterways. I'm not asking you to do a whole lot, just get out, protect the, the waterways, keep them from fleeing, and they do. So he sent messengers. Uh, this means this is not a fast-moving campaign, for Gideon's men are on foot. The chase is going to be slow going, plus they really want to be thorough in routing, so they don't want anybody behind them. They want everybody in front of them, so they're chasing them. They're, they're, they're doing a walk, pushing them forward. 
They want to be fully rid of their oppressors. So they're being very careful, very thorough, and they want the men of Ephraim to watch the waterways where they can pass over and get out of harm's way. Um, so, so the men of Ephraim secured the waterways. The passage out for the enemy was now cut off, and they were able to co corner the princes of the Midianites. They cut off their heads and brought them to Gideon. Gideon had delivered them from Midian, and Ephraim had answered the call of Gideon and was able to add significantly to the battle. So they're going, hey, Gideon, we helped you. And Gideon is going, yay, great, thank you. And that's generally what happens, right? Not here. Not here at all. The men of Ephraim are upset with Gideon, okay? So Judges 8.1, And the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus, that thou calledst us not, when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they did chide with him sharply. And he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abizir? Abizir? God hath delivered into your hands the princess of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then their anger was abated towards him when he said that. Fascinating. So the men of Ephraim were upset with Gideon that they were not called at the very outset of the gathering for the battle. Seriously? They were mad, and they were going to tell him about it. <laughs> Give him a piece of their minds, as it were. All right. So Gideon, apparently Gideon is an accomplished, uh, uh, an accomplished diplomat. So um, we're going to end right there, and we will get into that next time. Uh, what what happened between him and the men of Ephraim. Um, I'm running out of time. So until then, I will talk to you later. Have a great day.